if in picking UFT I'm faced with the same, uh, you know, moral questioning to put it as you received in picking Guelph, is he high? Is he a genius? Just remember, people, it can always be both. It can always be both. Hello and welcome to At the 55, your home for OUA football. Me and Nate are back, bringing you our thoughts on what is going down week three in the OUA. I mean, off the jump, it's so weird to think that for some of these teams, after this weekend, half of their schedule is already in the books. I, As someone currently at a university in school, I barely know what's going on in half my classes and the OUA season is quickly coming to a finish. Uh, I, mean, I guess we knew this was to be expected, but just... How are you personally just sort of mentally and everything grappling with the 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 the, the fast and furious pace that this season's going at? Well, I mean, it's like you said, like last week, it was like, oh, it's only two games. Well, that's a third of the season. Now it's like, oh, it's, it's three games. Oh, we're halfway there. You know what I mean? And sort of you look at sort of the playoff pictures, obviously shaking out as, as we go along here. Stakes, maybe, you know, obviously in the East, you only have one team that's not going to make it. But you look at that West side and, you know, they're going to be two unhappy teams there Um, and kind of seeing how it plays out. We'll maybe have a much better idea of who to pencil in after this week. So interested to see how things turn out. No, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned the standing. So why don't we just start there real quick for people who might not uh, have as clear a picture in their minds off the jump. So starting with the OUA East, we have Queens, your alma mater, the Gales, sitting nice and comfortably with a 2-0 record at the top of the pile there. Carlton in second, 1-1, UFT 1-0 having their week two bye. And then the York Lions and the Ottawa GGs both at 0-2 sitting in the gutter there. But as we said, a lot of tight games with some of these teams come another two three weeks that standings could look a lot different now sliding over into the OUA West we have Waterloo the other only undefeated team in the league still sitting at 2-0 at the top of the division then we have Western and Laurier both at 1-1 I guess tied for second there although uh, I'm not too sure uh, either of us uh, are certain that's how that's going to look uh, in a couple more weeks. Uh, then Guelph at 1-0, and having had the first week by occupying that fourth spot. And then with Windsor and Mac, 0-1, having dropped their opening game of the season and then the week two by. But similarly, I, I don't think that's exactly how, to speak for on your behalf here for a moment, how we think these standings are going to look in another week or so. I, I think there'll be a little more rejigging as these teams start to play uh, the same games across the board. Um, and kind of, I guess, as we're looking at some of the uh, some of the numbers, just the performances and things like that, I fear also we might as well take a moment, highlight some of the top players as far as in the statistical categories. Uh, in the rushing game, uh, your boy Rashid Tucker, Currently at the top of the pile, 224 yards on the season for him as well. Uh, as you kind of mentioned in the breakdown, no touchdowns for him yet. Obviously, they're going. It seems like they're going with the big boy. It's Tucker taking them down the field, and, and then uh, the big fellow for them kind of punching it in. Uh, Trey Humes and Keon Edwards, a pair of Mustangs, occupying the second and third rank in the OUA rushing with uh, 215 and 204 yards respectively as well. Um, and then shout out also to Tanner Nelms, uh, running back out of Laurier, with 190 yards on the season so far netting him 5.6 uh, yards per carry it's easy to look oh, to overlook that Laurier offense obviously losing Connor Caricello and we've talked a lot about how Algersma has looked but you know nice performance by Nelms there um, 
fifth in rushing right now in the league is is Trey Ford. Um, that says uh, <laughs> enough on that one. Looking at some of the passers real quick, Taron Young occupying top spot in the league right now, 558 yards. Um, obviously, as we'll get to when we talk about the Ottawa, uh, the, the Panda game, uh, whether he makes an appearance is going to be huge for them. And, uh, you know, this might surprise people sitting in second if we're just looking at yards um, on the season. Ben Maracol. 453 yards so far in the season. Obviously, that's accompanied by zero touchdowns and three picks. But, you know, once again, for a young guy, just a few things that are, you know, kind of checking a few boxes of things that might look positive for them moving forward. Um, And then, you know, Trey Ford, once again, mentioned his name, sitting third in the league, 431 yards, four TDs, one interception. And kind of as we highlighted a few times now, just seems like they're playing at a more less than furious pace uh than the season is just kind of being a more well-rounded team on the whole um a couple of defensive stats just to look at real quick uh your boy anthony federico top of the league in sacks very comfortably with five already on the year uh second by Tilik Ayuman. we talked about him in the defensive back for york uh, with that defensive scheme of coach Ock Pro using a lot of zero and having him get after the quarterback uh got him two sacks in their week two game against carlton and then a whole mess of guys with one sack in the uh, on the season so far uh and then we'll just look at a few of the interception leaders. Uh, we talked about this guy a bit, I think maybe in we, our breakdown of Battle of Waterloo, but Jack Hinsperger, the linebacker out of Waterloo, had two picks in, I think, both of their games so far, sitting him at four on the season, and then a whole mess of guys with one pick on the year. So just some of the stats kind of get into the halfway point of the season. Uh, I know I kind of threw that at you there uh, a little bit last second, Nate, but anything jump out to you when you think about some of the statistical performances we've seen so far in the year? Uh, I think, well, you know, I'm a quarterback, so obviously I'm going to kind of start there. And I think it's fascinating. There's no one kind of lighting it up so far. And I think that's kind of probably a bit of a testament to kind of the rust that kind of has been experienced with the two years off. But I will say I'm going to, I'm going to, my foot down and say i expect that to change and i think as the season goes along here we'll uh we'll see some more explosive games from the oua's top passes well and i think part of what accounts for the kind of weird nature of the quarterback uh top list right now is the fact that three of the guys that for me personally and i i know you feel similarly about them that we thought were going to be along the top of, of the ranks I've only played one game this year, you know, looking at clay with UFT, looking at Duick master and even looking at um, Sam Gerard and Windsor, three of the top QBs in the league. And they've only played one. So once again, I'm sure as all these teams start to play an equal amount of games as the season goes along, all of that will start to uh, take shape a little bit more as uh, we may have expected it. But obviously there's been a lot. We haven't expected this happen so far. And that's what makes it so much fun following this league. But let's get into the week's games, and we will start this one off where we could start no other than with the Panda game. TD plays. It's Ottawa. It's Carlton. This is obviously an incredible celebration of football. It is the amateur level uh, in Canada every year when these two teams face off. I talked a little bit about the broadcast and the Guelph game and how much of a pleasure that was. This is always one of the top broadcasts to catch in the uh, in the league. Uh, I say you know nationwide, and even some of the playoff games don't necessarily touch uh, the the caliber of a of a of a game that they put on when it comes to the Panda. 
and of course this one having the added uh you know emotional component of you know the panda game the battle of ottawa and uh you know obviously you can't forget the loss of uh francis perron earlier this year uh for the gg so no doubt you know we saw all the dedications to him yeah, last week and with it being the two Ottawa teams I'm sure it'll it'll just continue and it'll be another emotional one for the GGs but looking at this as the matchup on the field you know I think our feelings about this prior to the end of last week and and this kind of talking about you know seeing Tanner get you know walking off with crutches and whether he's going to be back and that's still a bit of an unknown for us um that I think was probably gonna that probably change how we're feeling about this one. Uh, before we get into the picks, what are some of your broad strokes thoughts thinking of Ravens GGs going into Week Three? Well, what I remember from you know playing over the years is kind of whenever obviously you look at the games around the league, and whenever this one came up, I feel like you know as a player, I was kind of thought, hmm, well, this will probably be Carlton this year, Ottawa this year, or vice versa, but whatever I thought it was going to be going in, it almost seemingly never was the case. So that's what kind of going into this one, it's like, Hmm, well, I think, you know, whether Ted and young is there or not, it maybe feels like Carlton. I'm, I'm, I'm weary. I'm definitely weary of kind of the history of this game and sort of, you know, the upsets and sort of crazy games that we've experienced over the years. And, you know, obviously as a completely objective fan, I hope that continues. Well, and we kind of talked about that a little bit going into Battle of Waterloo, uh, despite being proven terribly wrong on that front. But that these you know geographic rivalries have over the years netted outcomes that we wouldn't have necessarily thought of just based on how you know the players on the rosters and sort of the uh, the sort of the, the raw X's and O's. There's always that bit of a wild card factor when there's such a, a, a you know high emotional. A component to a game like Gigi's versus Ravens uh, and as well not only is DeYoung a bit of a question mark but as we mentioned you know it was great seeing uh, Nathan Carter running the ball for the Ravens last week and having a, a, a good not great performance but that also came at the not expense but touches were no doubt uh, affected by the fact that we didn't see Josh Ferguson and uh, haven't been updated yet on on his status obviously having both of them there is uh, extremely favorable for the Ravens Having only one of those two is still very, uh, you know, promising for them, but uh, it's still a bit of a question mark there as far as, as who's going to be getting the carries for them. Um, who who are you liking in this one, Nate? I'm, I'll give you the I'll give you first swing at, at, at the pick here. All right, Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be bold here. So let me let me paint a picture. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going on at the Carlton quarterback position. You know, based off of last week's game against Queens, that is Ottawa played Queens, you know, Rashid Tucker obviously had a day that leads me to believe that maybe Nathan Carter will have a day. We'll see. Um, But, you know, I'm throwing out the records for this game and, you know, I'm going to go with the known quantity. I'm going to go with my guy, Zach. Okay. A guy that I coached, Ben Miracle. All right. I'm going to give him some credit here. And I think he's going to have a big game. All right, because obviously I coached him so well, and now he's with a guy who coached me so well, uh, Marcel Belfay. So I think they come out, and I think it's a shocking upset for Ottawa. I don't know if you want to call it upset given the quarterback situation, but I'm going to go with the GGs in this one. You know, I, I love the pick. It uh, will raise the question as it did last week: Is he high or is he a genius? <laughs> we will let the we let the game bear that one out. 
And, you know, I, I love you shouting out Ben Miracle. Um, I think he's shown a lot of promise in those two games. Uh, obviously, we said just raw yards <laughs> he's accumulated. Um, he's been amongst the top in the league, although those yards have been accompanied with more interceptions than, than touchdowns. And and I'm still faithful that this running attack with Simonkinda and O'Day will come together. Seemed like we saw a, a bit of a stronger outing from Simonkinda week two than we did week one. Um which I think is promising for them. Um, I'm going to stick with the Ravens, I think, even with maybe just one of those backs and even maybe without De Jong. Um, man, that that defense is really, is pretty strong they got over there. I know that, you know, the York game, a, a little tough. I know we were talking we were a little dubious on some of the things York was doing offensively uh, in that game. Um, and then, you know, Look, Queens with 18 points on them in that first game. I mean, week one was such a crapshoot, it seems like. It's hard to really derive too much meaning now with two weeks in the books. But uh, I'll, I'll we, we'll split that match up there, and I'll take Carlton in the in the Panda game 2021 edition. That moves us along to our 1 o'clock games. First one we will discuss is the 2-0 Waterloo Warriors visiting the 0-1 McMaster Marauders at Ron Joyce Stadium. You know, a few things stand out to me on this one. Uh, you know, as we kind of just said, week two has me reassessing all the things I thought I knew in week one. And I'm sure, that, you know, this week we'll just do the same thing over again. And before we know it, it'll be playoffs. And I won't actually have learned anything in this year, except I know nothing. But, you know, as 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 great a performance as that was by Western on Mac, I think we both kind of agreed on this, that I, I don't think that was a nail in the coffin for the Mac season. They had a week to get things straight. There was a few injuries for them in that week one outing, uh, particularly the one that stood out to me, Max Guy, the right tackle, having to leave. So hopefully he's been able to recover and he's back there um, because they certainly have their their hands full um, against this Warrior team that's been nothing but spectacular so far in the season. Um, and and as well, you know, I I'm still have a, I still have a lot of faith in the ability of Andreas Duick then with some of the receivers he has and if Tyrell Ford's still out in this game that obviously opens up some opportunities for them to make some noise in the passing game but you know I we obviously saw what Western did to that Mac to that Mac front seven really and just controlling the line of scrimmage and running the ball at will and we obviously talk about Trey Ford as the sort of singular talent but Waterloo has shown that, you know, they have a really good offensive line as well. And they run the ball really well with Brandon Metz. And obviously Trey has to, can keep you honest. He can't keep, you know, you have to kind of keep someone spying him at all times. So, you know, if 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 the Western game was indicative that perhaps this Mac run defense is maybe a little bit soft, um, not, not like a mental toughness thing, but just like a bit of a weakness for them. I could see that being where Waterloo takes advantage as well in this one. What, what are your thoughts with... Uh, Waterloo versus Mac week week three here. Well, I agree with you. You know, Waterloo's obviously looked pretty good, but Windsor, eh, Laurier, eh, I'm going to be honest. You know, uh, you guys could throw these throw this up on the bulletin board if you want in your locker room. But those two, for me, probably not the playoff teams coming out of the West. I think those two will be the ones missing out. So. I think, you know, while Waterloo should probably feel good, this is this is the real test for them. I mean, this these are still, okay, the McMurray's, they lost. They're still the defending Yates Cup champions. Let's not forget, Zach, more importantly, they have the blueprint to stop Trey Ford. Let's look back. Let's, let's rewind to 2019. What if I told you that Mac held 
Trey Ford to 14 points and under 200 yards of total offense. Yes, that's rushing and passing less than 200 yards. Okay, that happened. So, you know, I think they have the blueprint. I think they're going to come out fired up. They're at home. They're going to hear all this hype about oh, Waterloo's going to win the OUA this year. And I think they come out. I think they ball out. And I think that Mac will take the W. Well, we'll split the decision on this one again, uh, which is good because looking ahead at our next two games, I think we'll be of a like mind on those. And I'll go with the uh, the Warriors on this one, taking the win on the road. Um but I think you make a really compelling point. I think if you raise that notion about what Mac did in 2019, you know, whether or not, once again, I'm trying to make a mountain out of molehill from one game. I, I do think, though, looking at some of the just raw players on the defense, there just are some guys that aren't there anymore from that 2019 season. But maybe that just means there's opportunities for new guys to fill in those roles. And we know that Mac does a great job recruiting and have always done really well on the defensive side of the ball. So maybe it's just because there aren't as many familiar names that we've seen year in, year out, it's just going to take a week or two, as you kind of said, when they had the bye week to just sort of figure out their identity, who they want to be. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't pick Waterloo thinking that they'll necessarily put a beat down on Mac. I mean, Mac's another one of those places that, uh, and you know, as well as, as I do that, uh, and obviously with COVID restrictions being what they are, but is a, is a place that, you know, as far as like stadiums that are, you know, quote unquote, tough to play in as the opposing player, like they make noise. They do a great job with the in-game like sort of uh, gimmicks to kind of get the, the fans like making noise and everything like that. Um, whether that, you know, I don't know how their record actually stands like home and away. Um, but, you know, Ron Joyce isn't an easy place to go in and get a W. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm still sticking with Waterloo in this one. But uh, that definitely is going to be a game that uh, despite being at the despite me going to be at the next game we're talking about live, I will definitely be doing some scoreboard watching Mac and Waterloo. Any, any last thoughts on that matchup for you, Nate? Well, I mean, you talk about Ron Joyce and it just takes me back to the playoff game we had there in 2017. And I'll just, I remember coach Patton. Now when you go in there for warm up, I don't want anyone looking at the highlight video on the scoreboard. Okay. <laughs> Have a good game day atmosphere there, as I remember. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if Coach Bertoy is saying something similar to the guys before the game uh, this week. Absolutely. Well, well, that will take us to our next matchup. It is the Laurier Golden Hawks visiting the Western Mustangs uh, at TD Stadium. Another one o'clock game. Uh, we kind of joked about this uh, in our breakdown from week two that uh, I, I don't overly envy the job Laurier has right now of having to go into London to take on what is no doubt a pissed off Mustang team following that tight loss to Guelph. And, and you know, we can't, I, I think I was saying that obviously I don't think Western has any uh, nothing to be ashamed about in that loss. It was a great battle on both sides. There's probably some things they can tighten up and they're obviously going to work on. But uh, yeah, you know, I like what I've seen out of Elgersma. I like a lot of the things we've seen on defense from this Laurier team. And, you know, they might be able to make things a little interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a pissed-off Purple Pony team enacting revenge on just whomever it is that is has the unfortunate task of going up against them, which in this case is Laurier. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, you talk about Elgersma, and it's... Uh... It's all relative, as they say, Zach, because he's looked good 
for a first year kid and he's still a first year kid. And I look at that Western defense and sort of the success that Andres Duick had against them. Not much, you know, and you know, the Guelph passing offense, maybe not historically good, but they have a lot of weapons. Obviously they kind of had some success, but I think, you know, the pressure that Western's going to be able to generate, I think is going to be a big problem. Um, and I think, you know, it's probably a long one if Elgersma is in the game. You know, I don't know what the status is of Caracelo. I mean, obviously, we kind of – the word was his left shoulder was in a sling um, in week one. So, obviously, haven't received any update on that. But I think regardless, like you said, you know, and sort of we saw – I think it was Laval lose two in a row earlier this year. I don't know when the last time was that Western lost two in a row. Probably a long time. And I don't think Laurie is the team to do it to him. So, I'm going Western with you as well. Yeah, and you know, and and I, I think as well with looking back at Western Guelph, I was kind of joking going into that one that I don't think Greg Marshall is ever going to forget uh, Guelph winning in 2015, even though they put a beat down on him uh, the following year. Uh, I'm sure in the back of his mind, anytime he gets to play the Laurier, it's a chance to avenge the the 2016 Yates, even though once again, they've had many opportunities to put a licking on Laurier since that time. But, uh, and you know, I... <laughs> I just I I you know it's still the new field in London at TD Stadium which I think they're calling Mustang Stadium now but saying on the OEA website still showing TD so not overly concerned about that but uh you know I'm not I'm not sure they're ready to to pick up their first L at home on the new field yet uh, I don't think that's in the cards for Western or at least what they were anticipating but hey I don't think they were anticipating losing to Guelph week two either but that'll transition us nicely into our next game a two o'clock start out of Windsor where the aforementioned Guelph Griffins are traveling to to take on the Lancers we mentioned Windsor in passing talking about Waterloo and Mac and whether or not they are a great sort of barometer of judging how good or great this Waterloo team is this year. Obviously only one uh, shot at watching Windsor. Uh, I know we're both very uh, bo- uh, both very uh, high on uh, on um, Sam Girard at quarterback for him. Some good weapons there. Alex Bourne is, is a talented receiver. They were working on a lot of guys in the run game. Um, but this is uh, what looks to be a very talented Guelph defense uh, that, man, we saw Waterloo's defense cause a lot of fits for this Windsor offense, and I don't doubt Guelph will have a similar success in their own right. And, you know, uh, the second outing for Sean Law, a quarterback for Guelph, um, and against a defense that's probably not as strong as who he was competing against in week one. Um, and w- with a running attack that they obviously are comfortable using with those three guys in the backfield and Jeffrey, uh, O.C. and Stevenson. Um, I mean, this is the long way of saying that I-, I think Guelph's taking this one and taking it fairly comfortably. What are you thinking? What are you thinking with Guelph Windsor week two, week three here? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that Windsor's offense looks a bit better coming off the bye and sort of having some more time to gel together. But I mean you can't take away what Guelph sort of did last week and, you know, on both sides of the ball offense, you know, doing what they did against the Western defense, you know, obviously the numbers weren't stellar, but watching the game, it was impressive. And I think, you know, for me, it'll be interesting to follow the numbers in this game and kind of see how they're doing. I want to see how Sean Law's progressing. I want to see how they're able to run the ball. 
Um, and yeah, that defense undoubtedly is going to cause problems. I mean, objectively, I would say they're better than the Waterloo defense, who, of course, caused Windsor a lot of problems in the first game. For me, you know, I think Guelph rolls here. And I think that'll allow us to roll into our final game of the day. Not quite a nightcap, but it's a four o'clock start from Varsity Stadium, downtown Toronto, where the UFT Blues are returning from their bye week to take on your Queen's Gales in this one. You know, a, a bit of a, a rivalry game that in the sort of broader picture of OUA football, just based on the sort of varying levels of competitiveness these teams have gone through over the years. I think it's sometimes, like I said, in the broader conversation about OUA football, this is for kind of swept away as like, oh, Queen's UFT, the last five years or so, it's a relatively meaningless game. Uh, you know better than me and better than most that this is like a pretty, and this is a very uh, big matchup for these two teams. Um, so before we kind of get into the, you know, our thoughts on this game, uh, as the Queen's alum now, uh, a, a Queen's alum in the virtual room uh, we have here, what is this matchup like? Everyone talks about Queen's Western, but Queen's Toronto is, is pretty big if I'm, if I'm correct on that, right? Well, the thing is, Zach, is this kind of talked about sort of in, in Queen circles as a bit of a home game for the Gales as, you know, there's a strong alumni contingent in Toronto from Queens. You know, I got the Facebook invite for an event, you know, during the game, post game drinks, you know, they're going to be a lot of Gales alumni in town sort of uh, at the game and enjoying the game um, over the years, kind of, you know, personally had a bit of fun against that university of Toronto teams, but <laughs> occasionally it's closer than expected. I mean, you look at last year's game, boy, oh boy, you know, that was one of the more fascinating games of the year. Obviously Queens came out of top out on top, but I know for sure that the university of Toronto players and sort of being in that room, I know that for them, that is sort of, that was their season last year. And that's how they look at it is we should have won that game. We should have been in the playoffs. And I think, you know, looking deeper into this game, I think, you know, it's important to remember that that's going to be back in the back of UFT players' mind going into this one. Yeah, and you mentioned that game from 2019, and, and that was really the first outing and indicative of a few other games that ended UFT season a little disappointingly for them, where it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of how you slow down this offense, where Queens is just kind of like, you know what, nothing's getting behind us. You want to dink and dunk your way down the field, you're welcome to it, but we're not letting the Bird Gang get these 60-yard bombs to Corby, to Lovegrove, and Zakara just running roughshod over them. Um, which, you know, there's still a possibility that Clay and the Bird Gang can do, even without Tommy there, and, and even with this being a Queens team that, you know, we've talked a lot of praises about that defense. Getting into the matchup now, uh, as far as the picks, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll save you from having to go against your boys on this one because, you know, I'll call this one a bit of a parody pick. Uh, I like uh, Toronto getting what I'll say is the upset at home on this one. Um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit with, uh, you know, Waterloo, maybe with the 2-0 record. How much do we think, uh, do we put, how much stock do we kind of put into that? I mean, Queens, I'd say two really nice wins so far on the season, but is a UFT team that uh, I, I think people have been sleeping on a little bit this year, myself probably included. Uh, the talent speaks for itself offensively. I don't doubt Queens will have a good game running the ball and uh, seeing what James Keenan can do. But let me let me let me go out on a, a bit of a limb on this one and, and go with the, the team from that the the team from the six to take the victory at home here. Zach, you know I get it. 
you see me pick Guelph last week. You saw all the fun <laughs> that I had, how much joy it brought me, you know, choosing an underdog and succeeding. So, you, you know, I respect, I respect your decision. And obviously, you know, I'll be getting, uh, you know, I won't be getting as many messages in, in my Snapchat or my Instagram DMs, but you know, I'm going to go with the Gales in this one. I just think, you know, in the limited sample size we have, that is the two games. <laughs> the Queens defense has looked outstanding. The U of T offense sputtered a little bit in week one, let's say. I mean, this is, you know, a team they put up 11 points against Ottawa in week one, you know, far from exceptional. That is a team that Queens put 30 on. Granted, they were in some favorable positions for their offense, but the defense is a part of their offense and getting field position. So I don't see why, you know, Claysacare has not been miracle. And, you know, I, I'm sure that's pretty clear, but I think, you know, don't sleep on this Queens defense. I've said it, you know, last week as well. And I'm going to say it here again. You know, I think there'll be some happy scenes in the pubs around UFT after the game with some Queens alumni getting after it and enjoying a big fat Queens W. What's the spot? Is it uh, Duke of York there? Uh, is that, is that where you guys go? I can't then? disclose, you know, I don't want anyone crashing. Anything <laughs> like Zach. I don't. <laughs> crashing anything if that's where you are going you could hit you could hit the duke of york with a football from varsity <laughs> stadium right. but i digress no i think it'll be a fun game you know as we kind of set up like it's just uh it's a matchup that does mean a lot to both these teams and uh you know what if in picking uft i'm faced with the same uh you know moral questioning to put it as you received in picking guelph is he high is he a genius just remember people it can always be both it can always be both. So that'll wrap up our week three preview pod. A lot of interesting things are going to fall with this game this week, whether the games go how we expect to or not. When we are looking at the standings come Sunday, come Saturday night. Well, maybe maybe we'll have a less clear picture. Actually, I guess that could just happen. Things might just get more confusing before they be get, get less confusing. So you know what? Who knows what the hell is going to happen, but that's why we tune in every week. That's why we hop on the pods to let you know what is going on. And, uh, you know, that's what makes it so much fun covering this league. Make sure you're following us on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You're checking in. We're doing going to be doing live tweeting again, keeping you updated if you can't be watching the games this Saturday. Um, make sure to check out on the website if you want to buy any merch, support the brand. You're supporting Stella's Place, the nonprofit that helps support young people with their mental health, providing them with a variety of resources. And of course, we reading the blog posts that are going up on the site. So enjoy week three in the OUA and we'll see you next time at the 55.